Alright, this episode is a little bit different than what's become our standard format recently, but I think the relevance is going to become very obvious, and it's hard not to be interested in what my guests in this episode are working on. Luke and Jen Ritchie are part of a company called Gravity Jack, and they're working on a really exciting project involving AR, lifting people out of poverty around the world, and translating classic works, like the Bible, into new languages. If you're interested in the use of technology for the kingdom, or if you simply want to hear how this Christian couple is using their gifts for an extremely unique project, this episode is for you. I'm your host, Landon Buto, and this podcast is provided by Cleveland Street Mortgage in pursuit of our mission of helping people to cultivate wealth and property in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please enjoy this week's conversation, and remember that if you're interested in getting a mortgage with our team at CSM, or if you know someone who will be getting a mortgage soon, connect with us at clevelandstreet.com. All right, Luke and Jen, thanks for joining me today. Looking forward to hearing more about your story and the project you guys are working on. There's a lot of exciting things going on there, a lot to, um, a lot of things I'm excited to learn about within your project. Uh, I, I want to let you guys start with just a little bit of background of, of who you guys are, um, what you're, a little bit about your personal story and about your career, so you guys can take it away with that. Well, I'm Jen Ritchie. Presently, I'm Chief Strategy Officer of Gravity Jack, uh, which is led here. Uh, Gravity Jack is an augmented reality company founded in 2009 on the basis, obviously, of AR. We also do VR, MI, MI, excuse me, ML, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, really a a breadth of capabilities. Um, Prior to that, though, leading up to it, uh, I'm actually a first-generation Christian, too. Uh, I was originally going to be an attorney on my way in law school when uh, I got swooped up, met Luke, got swooped up and ended up into the tech world. So this is Gravity Duck is the third company that we uh, have been together. Our first got acquired by a gaming company. Uh, and then we were with that company for two years before creating Gravity Duck in 2009. So it's it's been a wild ride. Uh, 2019 is actually when uh, we were just radically transformed by the Lord. So that's really when our faith journey um, began. So Gravity Dock is a, a secular company, always has been. Um, and then, you know, things change when you've been transformed. And so while we still do, we work with the Fords and the Samsungs and all these beautiful clients and clientele um, that really have a heart for the Lord and, and want to see these technologies, you know, as, as, as part of the kingdom and where they go. Um, the, our present project that we'll dive into more um, in detail is War Tribe of Binyamin. So this is a game that we've actually uh, the mechanics of the games we have been thinking about for years and years. Um, the reality is that the hardware wasn't ready. There's things like uh, digital overlay that I think hopefully we'll get to unpack a little bit and, and different just hardware is and has been limited. Um, but we're finally at this sweet spot, especially with Apple Vision Pro, their new augmented reality headset coming out that has been this, um, uh, we believe, this transition point technologically, which will lead us into into our game. That's a global game augmented reality game on uh, mobile devices, uh, again, just worldwide. So we'll unpack that, but that's the, the short yeah. version of, of what brings us, you know, to the present day. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll just kind of start. I started coding when I was 14. Uh, I was very, uh, I lived, though, as an enemy of God. Um, I always was an entrepreneur. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur from the time I could spell. In fact, it was one of the first words I learned to spell because uh, kids were like, do you even know how to spell that? Uh, and uh, so I've, I've 
always been starting companies, uh, had a number of successes, some huge explosions, uh, which I learned a lot from. Uh, but the key is that really in 2019, like Jen said, we we had some things happen and it was just God. We just say God came and got us and he didn't just come and get us. He got our whole family. Um, it was just this with a revival that occurred. It was all it was almost a year to the date before the first COVID lockdown. Um, and God just swooped in and changed everything. Uh, and then at that point, I was, you know, praying, oh, I was going to leave tech. Uh, I, you know, I wasted my life and God was really clear. No, stay in, just keep working, keep going. Um, I've got plans. Um, and I mean, it was uber clear because I was like, I was ready to leave. I trained as a suicide counselor, uh, did that for a little brief stint while still doing the tech piece. And uh, it was just clear where he wanted us to go. But I didn't know the true mission of all of it and how he would just culminate everything into this moment and these this thing that this project that we're working on even though it's something we've been working on the whole time because he always had a plan you know god was in every moment of everything um even while i was his enemy um and so yeah this is this is the culmination of you know both 14 years of work in ar and ai uh professionally but more importantly the it's like the close to the apex of where God's been taking us from what he wants to do with the company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of neat stuff there. Um, I, I want to hear you, you, you mentioned um, that you've kind of had the mechanics of the game in mind for a long time. Uh, and then it sounds like kind of the, the story of the game um, came in to fill that out, to, to, to flesh that out. Um, so start with, this is where, um, this is where you're going to have to start with the, the fundamental fundamentals for me. And I'm hoping I'm not alone for, for a lot of our audience um, is explain a little bit of the technology behind the game. And you might just need to fill, fill in on um, what the recent developments have been that you guys have are referencing. Um, what device do you play the game on? How is it different from a regular phone app game? Um, what is AR? Well, just just give us a, a picture of how this all works here. Yeah, I can start with the basics of augmented reality. So what is augmented reality? It is putting digital content into the real world through a viewing device, right? So I can't just look over next to me and have a purple elephant standing there. I can, however, pick up my mobile device, look over here, and on my device through the pass-through camera, is a purple elephant standing there. That is augmented reality. So Snapchat, where you can throw up rainbows and have little antlers on your head. Obviously, you don't have antlers on your head, but it looks like it and follow suit. That's augmented reality. Now, there's functional use cases where I want to see what a couch looks like in my living room, scaled to size, or maybe a piece of artwork on my wall, or a large flat screen television, or look at a car. Maybe I'm vehicle shopping, and I want to put, put a... Um, Range Rover in my driveway and change the colors of it or whatever, right? Those are functional augmented reality use cases. The, the list is endless. But at the end of the day, that's what augmented reality is. So our game will have, um, we're starting with mobile devices, iOS, Android. Remind you, this is a global game worldwide. So there's a lot of people in small villages in wherever, Africa, China, you name it, South America, where they have, they typically tend to be on more on Android devices. Um, but having said that, it will be iOS and the Android device primarily. 
Now I had mentioned previously the Apple Vision Pro. So that is a new augmented reality headset Apple is releasing. So there will be some gameplay elements that we will be incorporating onto the headset uh, for wealthier economies, Europe, the US, things like that. So, but it won't be critical to gameplay, right? All of the gameplay, this is a mobile game. Some of those Apple Vision Pro, like I'm in my room or, you know, I'm in my house and some game elements can occur. It's kind of like icing on the cake. It won't affect or inhibit me from playing the game, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's helpful. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. I was just going to probably add the the interesting thing about, well, first off, Jen, you mentioned a purple elephant. Remember we used the purple puppy? We actually were explaining augmented reality. Uh, in 2009 to people, there was, it didn't exist. The mobile phone was like six months old. The apps were just come out and we're like, no, you're going to use this to see things that aren't there. And so I would, I stole this from my little niece at the time. I still have it, uh, but it was a little purple puppy, which I thought was interesting. But, uh, but the game itself, like you said, has always been on our hearts. So we actually wrote the patents that we wrote in 2009 based on the mechanics that we wanted to do. And we thought, well, how would you do this game? Um, and we actually, in 2012, went to go do this game, um, and we raised uh, a bridge round. We got a term sheet from Intel, and then we just kind of peeled back. I realized the hardware wasn't there, um, and we've been 100% right on what's coming, and we've been 100% wrong on the timeline, um, or I should say <laughs> I've been 100% wrong on the timeline, um, but the actual order of operations has, has played out exactly like we thought. Uh, and one of those demarcation points was a an in-home uh, augmented reality set of goggles that would actually uh, that people would use. So we're not talking to Oculus, which is VR fully immersive. Um, we're talking AR is there's that has a field of view that you don't feel like you're looking through a postage stamp. Um, so there's like industrial use cases we're doing now, you know, you use the HoloLens or um, some of the magic reefs, but they, it really, it's that, the experience sucks and it doesn't feel like it's a part of your life because the field of view is so, you have to, you know, you look like Batman in the Michael Keaton version, you know, you can't move. Um, so um, this, the Apple Vision Pro is a demarcation of what's about to come and the, everything is going to change. The whole concept of having a screen is going to die. You won't need it. Uh, and so, th- and that's that's now. I won't quote a timeline because I'll definitely be wrong, but it's soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, sure. And so that's why we started revisiting the game. And now having you know Jesus as the only thing that matters in our life, uh, he started to add elements, and we kind of just scrapped the whole original story behind it, mm. uh, and then started pulling. I mean, the, the the actual story that we're using is mapped directly from the Bible. Um, and we and we we prayed about it. I ran it by pastors too. I wanted to make sure I was still honoring God in it, but something the secular world would enjoy. You know, I mean, the story of Superman is the story of Jesus. If you look at it, that's why people gravitate towards it, like the Savior, the Son of you know, Yorel, Kalo. Um, that I mean, these these storylines talk to something in us as people, um, and so we we want to mimic that, but more C.S. Lewis level, where we're actually intentionally doing this for a purpose of drawing them towards Christ. Yeah, so talk about the the storyline of the game a little bit more. If you were talking to a consumer, how would you explain what's the goal of the game? What type of game is it? Um, what is the storyline? So the lore itself is that Pangea, you know, which is, it follows geographically what scientists believe, you know, the continents were one. Uh, 
and at some point the continent split. But what what was before the continent split? Was there technology? Uh, there's a lot of really good Netflix series on if there was technology, um, and if it, if it was, what did it look like? So our story is that there was, uh, and that these these beings called the Jinn um, came and they started sharing, you know, knowledge, ultimately forbidden knowledge, how to make uh, AI, how to make wormholes, tech, you know, things that we weren't really supposed to know, um, and ultimately this causes a big battle to occur. And uh, on a, a competing AI, which is the good AI, uh, ultimately says, no, I'm divided, opens wormholes, divides the land, um, which ultimately results in the division of language. Um, so you can, you can see where, where we're pulling from here. And uh, then he said, the Yaman, the good AI, sends the bad AI, AI Zazel, Zazel, to the future of 2133, where he, he pretty much starts taking over. And so now we've we shift the battle from the past. So then there's just nothing happens this whole time. It's just humanity is left on Earth. Uh, and I'm giving the really short version of the lore. Sure. Uh, but now you've got Azazel and the Yaman AI in 2133, and they're recruiting in our timeline. Uh, and so via augmented reality and virtual reality, you can see these various uh, interactions. You can see portals opening. Uh, you have to take back your space here, which takes it back in the future. So you can walk down the street and I can literally see homes that have been saved by Yaman because uh, they have they have light, they're getting restored. And then I can see the world of 2133 accurately geo-overlaid over the whole planet. So I go to a Starbucks. If you haven't taken that back with your team, uh, Isaiah owns it. Uh, and so the whole goal is we're planting energy sources around the whole planet and the goal is to take back the entire planet. Uh, it's just we're doing some really things that have never been done before. One, there is an, uh, an entire world map that we're overlaying on top of the world that's accurate. So we're using uh, a number of techniques, but you'll be able to see what your house looks like destroyed in 2133. Mm. And then you, then you have the option to restore it, um, starting right here in the present. So it's, And we're using AR and VR in some really unique ways to uh, make the gameplay integrate into everything you do, because everything you do has some geo component. So that's that's kind of the the play. And I don't want to give away too much because we're do, it's not Pokemon Go, but you got to think we, they had some elements correct, uh, gathering crowds and. But yeah. what do you do once you have a crowd there? Uh, Pokemon Go just missed it in that whole part of it, and people actually complain about it. I mean, you got us all here to collect this, and then there should be something next. Yeah, uh, and we've definitely got the something next well defined. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Jen, anything you'd add want- to that? Uh, I would just say that the something that it, not just of the lore and the storytelling, but it's the 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 technologies, the way we're going to be using augmented reality in with the story is going to be really it hasn't been done yet, right? Because like Pokemon Go, you're playing and what do you do? You put a little Pokey guy in AR, then what? You know, right. and it's like, okay, right. it feels like, so in our world, you know, I call it sometimes gimmicky and it's, I'm, I'm so happy they did it. I think Pokemon Go has done an amazing thing, but there's a difference between adding something as an afterthought and integrating it into gameplay, right? And so really having that where you're, you're like this, you, you're, your head's up playing, looking for things that are going to affect my, my gameplay in and through it. And then also not just through the lore, not just through the game mechanics, but through community really really encouraging because most games you're fighting 
right? You're battling, you're, and this is a like flipping things where, yeah, we're battling, but we as people on this real world planet are uniting and we're encouraged to unite. We're encouraged to be cross borders, especially in this political world and landscape where it's, it's these governments are battling, not us people, right? Like when you travel around the world, it's the, the people are awesome. Like you can go hang out, grab a coffee, sit down, have a conversation. And, and so it's more of like, this is about people playing the game together, uniting together, doing the battles, doing the quests, doing the accomplishing things together and, and encouraging them to seek one another out rather than an isolated We Nothing about this game is, is to isolate and play alone. You could, we're not gonna, we don't want to take those people away, but it's just that really encouraging unity and community that um, I get geeked out about. Just to add to what Jen's saying, the fact that, so one of our taglines is a game so real it might be. And the reason, and we have actually peeled back from some of the realism because <laughs> we're integrating the digital into the real world so well. And it's with such a thought process. I mean, we've had a long time to plan this that we're like, well, actually, we don't want to trigger mental health issues because it, it is literally yeah. because and there's a, we're, we're mirroring so much truth about good versus evil and the truth of those components that we don't want actually people to get too weirded out that is this here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. is still a game, but it is going to feel very real. And but I think that's going to play well, too, to what we want to do with people as you know we add in components that uh, teach them kingdom principles at the same time. All right, sorry for the interruption. Just a quick reminder that when your friends mention that they might be thinking about buying a house or refinancing, you can do them and us a huge favor by mentioning that you know a great lender and sending them to clevelandstreet.com. It will be a huge help to us at CSM, and hopefully it will save your friends lots of time and stress looking for a lender they can trust. What kind of consumers do you expect to play the game? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the other p- thing is, is like we want to break down these um, almost generational barriers, if you will, um, and appeal through different types to so some of even the questing in there. Some people are Candy Crush people. Some people are mind puzzle people. Some people are language people. Some people, you know, like so having these options that really kind of appeal to the different mindset. Um, is is going to be key because we want it. We want it to really be something that you could get anyone to play. Like, hey, why do you guys should come join this? Come play with me, right? Right. So, so as far as the gameplay, there will be elements that are like um, story games, fighter games, word games, phone, just random phone app games. Is that what you're saying? I would like to. It definitely. That's the track, the accurate track to think down. But I will say each kind of categorical thing that's currently being done in game, we're doing something unique that actually we call it just genre breaking because it's it's going to be the same the same feeling of those type and the personality. It'll draw the same personality types and feel similar, but we're actually doing things that are unique uh, so that uh, it's it's just, and it's a whole new form of gameplay. Because if you just can imagine, we're living in this giant, you know, 3D analog universe that God created. Right. Uh, right. What if you like, and you think of some of the games you play in there? Um, that's so yes, uh, but also with some twists on all of yeah. those components. Yeah. So, uh, Luke, you mentioned earlier that when you guys initially became Christians, it was kind of this mindset of I need to get out of tech. Um, 
and I would guess there's some element of this is just this isn't really spiritual it's not really kingdom oriented work Mm -hmm. not really doing anything for christ in this work um and you know the the thesis the the title of this show is that work is good is that in the in the work that we're doing it is worship it is spiritual absolutely Um, and so i i know there are there are um very very missional elements about this project for you guys um, what do you hope the impact of the game will be uh, on consumers and and just on anyone it touches? Well, we have a go ahead, Jim. I, I just want to say the first thing before we get into the actual thing within that speaks to that. If you look at this game holistically, we really want to instill things like encouraging each other that unity piece of each other, that like living out what it means to be Christ-like, just like in our workplaces. You know, you could you could be a bank teller at Bank of America, and that's a battlefield of faith. It is a battlefield of faith, and it's an opportunity to walk out what that looks like. And so having game elements, you know, or even some of the lore where it gets people going, oh, wow, you know, it gets them thinking about that. And then they start um, kind of putting pieces together in that. Um, so I would say that's one piece holistically of the game of War Tribe of our team um, as well. But go ahead and end that. Well, there, there's a component of the play that we haven't fully discussed, and that's the play to earn components. Uh, and the play to earn so is a is a Web three term. There is a, some crypto pieces that we're using, but that's not actually what we're positioning the app as. We're not nobody's selling a crypto. We're actually going to use multiple you know mechanisms because it just makes sense because we want the capability for players to have a mechanism of value transfer between each other. Um, and again, we're doing some super cool things there that are, have never been done, uh, but blockchain just makes sense. And so we're not, we're not actually really talking too much about the crypto, but it is important because uh, the, the mechanism that God kind of downloaded on how to do something big in the world, utilizing a game uh, is it just plays into that, ethos of web three of how do you then transfer that value to people in places where they don't even have a bank uh, and blockchain and crypto have solved that problem so uh and you know smartphones have a 94 percent penetration rate that are ar capable across the planet so uh this game is not just for players in strong economies in fact it is and we're going to extract those funds and we're actually going to use them in a way that actually uplifts the poor but also honors the shareholders in, a, in a, a really large way too. How we do that is via translation. So this also plays into the lore, uh, but essentially a user, say in Africa, that is, speaks a dialect that has never been uh, translated by big tech, and there's 7,100 of these languages, by the way, uh, and they never will be targeted because why would Google target 25,000 people they make, that make no money and they already speak one of the top 100 trading languages? Uh, they won't target them. So what happens is this peop- these people groups, 7,100 of them, never hear a message, anything in their heart language if it isn't from somebody within their community. They never read a book. They never see a marketing message. And they most importantly, never read the word of God in that language. Um, so what if we paid them to do translation? Now, it doesn't really make sense from my shareholder standpoint. So this is, this is the part where God was just like, here's how you do this. And I started studying Nash equilibriums and 
how you can mm-hmm. apply those in game theory and what those actually look like across you know a playing field and how do you how do you yeah. get players to choose a path that you you want and then everybody ends up with the results that they want uh and that's what we've created so essentially it works like this uh player in a strong economy spends money in game and, and jennifer and i and our companies our company is extremely adept at getting people to spend in games we've done this a number of times yeah. uh, and and but not predatory psychological practices but like hey it's an entertainment so i'm it's willing value. to pay for that yeah. entertainment right yeah. Uh, so that's that, and that's that player. That's that game theory and applying. Okay, I give him what he wants. He's going to have a lot of fun, but he's going to spend money for it because he's yep. in this economy. So we extract money from players in strong economies. Uh, we actually use part of that those funds both to support the game, but then we apply part of it into a treasury that's actually designed to pay for translation. So we call it Penta Verified Translation. This is a a technique we didn't develop, but we're working with a group on. And essentially, one person, so it's a language that's never been translated, one person translates and they get paid a micro amount in a crypto or an in-game currency. And then four other people verify that translation and each person along the way gets paid. And each person is incentivized in different ways to find different aspects. What you end up with is amazing translation. And after you get a large enough body of work of translated items, you can create what's called a natural language processing engine for this group of people and now i can automate translation i don't require and now these people actually have access to the breadth of the internet education uh via their own language and they've been getting paid to do this so this is also the way we get the word of god translated into that group uh, and we're working with uh, a couple missionary groups to make sure that the actual thing that we create when we get a translation of the word of god is uh, valid uh, so what we do, what we create is uplift. We create financial uplift. But most importantly, I, you know, I, if I don't do something that doesn't honor my investors in business, then I've, I've messed up. I haven't applied the Nash equilibrium. I haven't applied the game theory correctly because somebody's in the prisoner's dilemma. Somebody's getting messed, you know, screwed. But what if, so here's the value exchange. I'm paying somebody to do a translation. They're, and they're, they're, to, they're winning on all kinds of fronts. They're making money, blah, blah, blah. Five people make money just translating one thing. But we, we, what Gravity Jack gets back is actually a monopoly to speak to those, that group of people. And so and then we can license that out. There's a number, so if we do the 50% of the planet that has never been and never will be targeted by Google or ChatGPT, we essentially have a monopoly on speaking to half the planet. So if somebody wants to do a marketing message to this group, yeah, we can do it. Uh, there's, we're just the only ones that can. Um, yeah. So I, so what I've done is I've provided short-term value for my shareholders, long-term value. Up, We've uplifted the poor. I shouldn't say I did this. The game does this, and God blessing it does this. Um, and, uh, and players have an incredible amount of fun in all categories across all wealth spectrums. Uh, then as you bring these people up, they add productivity to the matrix. They start to become players, and we do more and more. It's just this yeah. rolling phenomenon. And our, yeah. our goal is systemic, generational uh, uplift out of poverty. And you start planting the word of God on people. That's kind of an end result anyway. Yeah, it's amazing. Can you explain a little bit how the um, – you said that the people in poverty eventually ideally then become – players how do they initially get involved if they're not players up front how are the translations tied into the game so do you want to go ahead <laughs> uh, so 
essentially like my son playing in a strong economy, he sees these quests, their typical quests, geo, fun stuff. Uh, he may earn some currency for them. Uh, probably not. Most likely he's paying somehow. But now if I'm in that geo-targeted area where we're trying to do a, we're targeting a people group, these people see a wholly different type of quest. They're like, hey, translate this chapter of Moby Dick, translate this chapter of John. Uh, and we may not even call it John, you know, especially if we're dropping it into Iran. Um, just, hey, we just need this. We did this thing because we're creating an NLP. Yeah. We'll pay you to do it. So that's how they do their quests. Uh, the great part about play to earn is even at micro scales, uh, the distribution handles itself. It is it is shocking how fast companies like Axie Infinity, like the model's been proven that it works. If, if people are getting paid to do something that they can extract into crypto, they will do it. I mean, whether it's sharing tweets, you know, for a penny, like it's mm. just stuff happens because, you know, half the world lives on, you know, $60 or less a month. Uh, mm. It's uh, it's ultra poverty. It's a, it's an mm. actual issue across the whole world uh, that somebody's got to address. Yeah. Amazing. Great. Well, I want to hear a little bit about uh, kind of the startup process that you guys have gone through. Uh, I know you mentioned ahead of time you're, you've been working uh, with something called Start Engine. Um, so can you provide just kind of a general description for um, for those interested in startups? What is Start Engine? Why did you choose to go with this process of funding? What's that experience been like? Yeah, so I wouldn't say um, we're a startup. Yeah, you know, we've been doing this for 14 years. So we've, sure. yeah, well, we've got our patents and established. It's a little different. Um, I, I do believe some startups go on Start Engine. Usually they have some sort of base though going into it. Okay. Um, yeah. We specifically chose Start Engine because it's crowdfunding. Um, I mean, it's an SEC filing. You have to go through all of the the account, you know, the the um, forensics accounting kind of stuff, and they approve. They get they go deep. Uh, having said that, the reason we chose to do it is multi pronged. One is really wanting our community people who've been following Gravity Jack for, for you know, all 14 years and having this opportunity where they can be a part of this vision and what we're doing. I think over time too, our future players could even be a part of what we're doing here um, as well. And then also it gives us, um, you know, what you have to do, but you're providing everything. Like I said, all the, you're doing the videos, you're doing the images, you've got the, the executive summaries, you've got all your numbers and valuations and everything locked in. So for us, um, it just works out really well. You know, so even if we've got, we're going to any other private, potential private investors, um, they've got everything out there. They know that it's vetted. There's a lot of um, security for them uh, in knowing that we made it through Start Engine's rigorous process to get on there. Kind of a little stamp of, of uh, validity if you will yeah and the and the process has been a lot it's heavy it's very yeah. thorough i yeah. spoke with a gentleman actually earlier today and he had worked with them like 10 years ago in the very beginning and um so we were kind of comparing how it has evolved and he was like wow it sounds like they have got their ducks in a row and processes in line and i'm like yeah 10 years will do that to you um and they also went through a major acquisition which i think was a total god thing because we started working on this in what february something like yeah. that and um, that we started picking the timing of when we would launch and started and just acquired another um, crowdfunding platform like a month ago, which is like, ah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> so the timing, uh, you know, couldn't be better for us. Yeah, 
because that adds a, a whole new group of people to be able to support your crowdfunding. Exactly. exactly. And it's cool. It's cool too. Like when you go do a VC raise, and John and I have done that. Uh, it's it's just a whole different process. Like there's there's a they they're gonna want a board seat. Like and I mean, and the people themselves aren't necessarily like people sure. you want to hang out with. But now you think of crowdfund, you've got a low barrier to entry. I mean, I think our entry point is $348. Um, so it's a low risk profile. Uh, so it's like, hey, and if you, and then the, so you own this number of shares, I just like it. It spreads it out. And I'm actually the people that I would want to be a part, uh, you know, versus just somebody that's like, well, hey, when are you going to sell your company? Uh, I, you know, I because want Because it tends million- to be people kind of more aligned, you're saying, that, yeah. that end yep. up investing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, so talk a little bit about you. You mentioned it's kind of a $348 buy-in. Where are you guys in the process of funding? Um, how can listeners get involved? Uh, Luke, we were just talking. This will go uh, live probably after you guys. I know you have a launch coming up. So talk a little bit about what, what that looks like. Yeah, so we launched on Start Engine on September 12th. Launched on September 12th. So if you go to startengine.com, you'll look up Gravity Jack. You'll see us. Hopefully, Landon, we can just give a link here, too, for any listeners um, in yeah, the podcast. Exactly. They can click straight through. Um, and it's super easy. FYI, I went on. I was like, I got to know what we're asking people to do. You know, so I went through a couple months ago. You just create an account. I mean, it's like a shopping cart almost. It's super easy. Like you create your account. You load in whatever you're wanting to invest. You click on the company you want to invest to, and then you've got your portfolio kind of statements or whatever in your in your um, start engine account and it shows you they've got a watch list feature which is super cool too um, for people so maybe somebody wants to just keep an eye on us create an account and just keep an eye on us or, or whatnot um, so that's one element to do and then we send out updates we'll be sending out updates you know as if, if we get a new board member or if we are on a podcast or things like that if anything changes within the raise that will be notified and one thing i would encourage is checking out um the perks this is another to answer i should have said this along with the other question one of the cool things with start engine is the perks that we're we are able to offer to our investors you know having to handle all of that percentage and how many shares and this and this takes a big load off of us having start engine kind of handle that, uh, which is another element that we chose them. But it's just super cool that people can join. You know, you can sign up within the first two weeks and and get all kinds of early perk add on stuff. Uh, so one of the things there. But yeah, startengine.com, looking up, look up Gravity Jack, and then we'll have that link for you, Landon. Perfect. Yeah, I can put that in the description here. Jen, what what uh what kind of perks? Is it like just give me a, a ballpark kind of idea of range of what you're talking about. Yeah, so the early bird perks um, are different than there's there's other perks that go throughout. Some of the early bird perks are if you sign up, which wouldn't apply here necessarily, but in the first 72 hours, you get a percentage. If you find if like they have a bronze, silver, gold, if you put in uh, X number of dollars in the first two weeks, you'll get a 10% additional. And if you put, so those different kind of thresholds based on how much you put in and when, and then you just get 10% shares free. I mean, not free, but added on to what you sure. you select yeah. to go in there. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, Luke and Jen, thanks for joining. It's really interesting, really neat to hear about what you guys are working on. I'm going to let you guys conclude with just kind of one thing you would leave the audience with uh, about your mission, about your project, about your story. 
Um, anything you'd like listeners to be aware of as we're wrapping up? Uh, I would just say keep an eye out. Be, keep, oh, be open-minded to what's out there as new technologies come out or new headsets like the Apple Vision Pro. Um, and then, you know, really, truly consider being a part. I mean, it, it's kind of neat to be involved in a company at a base level. Yeah, to it watch, sounds like, fun to me. I don't know. Like, what if you you were a part of, I don't know, I mean, the game's different, obviously, but if from an investment, you invested in Tesla 15 years yeah. ago, like, where would you be? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and to be a part of something that's changing how gaming is being done. We truly believe it's going to be a new way to do gaming globally. Um, so, yeah, okay, thank you. I would, uh, I'll go just a slightly different direction. Uh, because Jen and I are not new, but, you know, the last four and a half years to, like, really living out our faith. Uh, I've, we've got a witness. Uh, we don't really, like, subscribe to, like, a specific denomination. And then in the last three years, we've got to talk to just so many amazing believers across the planet from everything from Catholics to Presbyterians to Baptists to, uh, you know, Calvinists. <laughs> One of my <laughs> great friends is a Calvinist. And uh, I'm just watching God move. And I, I don't know it's because of what maybe what we're doing or the industries we're in, but I've got to watch the body of Christ start to move towards a crescendo of not wanting the enemy to take all the ground again. Web two, web, you know, the internet is owned by porn, 60% of traffic. Like, do we really want to do that again? Do you want AI to be owned by those places? Do you want AR, VR? What it like, so God's organizing his body. And I, I believe we're just supposed to take the ground. And so if you're thinking, you know, if you've got a vision, run with it is what I would say. Cause I know you have an audience that uh, is entrepreneurial. So, um, God clearly, clearly uh, wants to do something on the earth that's big. And I think it's on the way. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Luke and Jen, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time. If you enjoyed it, share it with someone else, leave a review, and listen next week.